morning, I'd like to talk about the biblical truths of faith. We place much on faith. Our salvation in its entirety is placed by our faith in Jesus Christ for the atoning work that he did on the cross when he died to pay all of our sins. And the hope of his resurrection that assures us of our eternal life. Hebrews 11, while, while there is much in the Bible on faith, and while we don't find the word, the term faith in the Old Testament, we, we find trust. We find the word trust, and it's the equivalent of the word faith in the New Testament. But Hebrews 11, perhaps, has more to say on faith, about faith, than, than any other singular place in the Bible. So in Hebrews 11, beginning with verse 8 through verses 13, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars in the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. Our great God, as we spend these next moments together looking at your word, I pray that you would give me the words that you would have me to say. Lord, help me to put myself aside and for you to be prominent throughout. May you be glorified in everything that's done and said here today. And Lord, if there's anyone here today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, perhaps somebody online that might be watching today, Lord, may they see through this message their need for salvation. May they understand their eternity aside from God's, aside from God's grace. Lord, we'll trust you by your Holy Spirit's guidance for all of these things. Amen. You know, if we read the entire chapter of Hebrews 11, <clears throat> it speaks a lot, speaks much about the Old Testament saints and their faith. And we see in each of these instances um, that they received salvation in the same way that we do, by faith, by faith in God, by believing what God had said and showing their faith by what they did and their actions. They had an active faith and it was evident in their lives. I, I mentioned last week, but I'll mention it again, that not, not a long time ago at, at Orchard Point, when I, when I stood in for Pastor Larry Chapel there one Sunday, I had a gentleman, and I, I can't even recall now what I was preaching on. It was probably out of Hebrews 11. And, and a gentleman asked me, well, well how, were, how, did, how was David saved? Or, how were the Old Testament saints saved? And if we read this scripture, it's evident. 
because we see here in in verse in verse 13 it says these all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off the promises spoke of there had not yet been given the, the promise of our salvation the promise of a savior to come who would pay the price for all of our sins the wages of sin is death Christ paid that price on the cross they had not yet received those promises yet they're saved by their faith and Abraham alone is spoken of as the father of the faithful and two places in the Bible he's spoken of as the friend of God and he's the only one that that title is given to and we see that in Isaiah 41 verse 8 as well as in James chapter 2 verse 23 the friend of God what a, what a glorious title that that is, that God, the God himself ascribed to Abraham. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so let's first look at what is faith. Faith defined. Well, we, don't have, we have to go no further than right here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, for now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now that may not seem necessarily straightforward, but a moment ago I mentioned that these Old Testament saints had a working outward demonstration of the faith in their lives. <clears throat> Many times for those of us that are saved, we are, we are called to place all of our faith in God for something that's going on in our lives or something that that we have found ourselves that we have to do, that we have no idea how we're going to be able to accomplish that. God puts us in that position. Uh, we hear our pastor say often, talk about the cliche that, that people will often recite and says, God will never give you more than you can handle. Uh, anybody sitting here who's walked with Christ for a while knows that's just not true. <clears throat> Why would we need him if we could handle and manage everything in our lives that came along. Yet, that evidence of that faith in our lives, I can tell you for me that the substance of things hoped for, you know, I know of a certainty, as Pastor would say, I know that I know that I know that I know that when this mortal flesh dies, in that instance, I'll open my spiritual eyes in the presence of the Lord. I have no doubt. There is no doubt in my mind. And, there's, and so therefore there is no fear in death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? <clears throat> there's no fear in that death. And that is in me, for me, an, an inward knowledge of a working and true faith in my life. In Hebrews 11.6, we see two fundamentals of faith. Again, in the same chapter in, in, in Hebrews, Hebrews 11. And he, Hebrews 11.6 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. The first thing we see in the first part of this verse is the great impossibility. 
without faith, this being having accepted the atoning work that Christ appropriated to us on the cross and paid for our sins, without that faith, without having received salvation by faith in Christ, in, in and of ourselves, we cannot please him. And in my flesh, as a saved person, I cannot please him. There's, there's no good thing in my flesh. And you know what? That comes out on a regular basis. My wife's sitting right over here. She'll tell you. <clears throat> I fail miserably in my flesh. But you know what? <clears throat> he can be pleased by the things that I do faithfully for him. But more importantly, by the faith that I have in him. In and of myself, there's no good thing that I can do towards God. But because of Christ and because of my salvation and because of Christ in me, you know, I often, <clears throat> I, I haven't said this for some time, but I haven't, haven't stood in a pulpit or preached for a while until the past week or so here. But uh, <clears throat> this is a simplistic, but, you know, when I'm saved, God gets to put his Jesus goggles on. And those goggles are covered with the blood of Christ. And when he looks at me, a saved person who's accepted Christ in my life, through that cleansing blood, that he looks through that and I am perfect, I am holy, I am without blame, and I am heavenward bound. But if, if God were to pull those Jesus goggles off, which he doesn't do, he doesn't take them on and off. Uh, then he sees me as the sinner that I am and doomed to hell. Now, <clears throat> I don't know that everybody will appreciate that analogy, but it's made a lot of sense to a lot of people um, over some years. We also see in Hebrews 6, the latter part of the verse, there's two great imperatives there. First, we must believe in his being that he is God, that he is the one true God, that he is the only God. Uh, we do as often as we can when, when our grandsons are with us. We have a, a children's devotional that we keep on the table at home. And, and yesterday morning, because they spend the night with us the latter part of the week, because mommy and daddy both working at night. And uh, so, so we do our devotions. Our devotion yesterday uh, was on there is no other God. There is none other God. And the devotional was aimed at teaching children about the different gods, lowercase gods, that we can have in our life that can often supplant our, the one true God in our life. Even when we're saved, you know, anything that we place in our lives that of, of greater importance. Now, we might say, well, Brother Mark, I don't place anything in my life of greater importance than than God, the one true God. And in what you're saying, <clears throat> you truly believe or you, you truly want. But anything in our lives that we spend more time doing than we do spend with God, more time than we spend reading in the Bible, more time than we spend in prayer, more time than we then we spend in, in ministering to other people if that's what God has intended for us. And oh, by the way, he intends for all of us to minister, whether it be through prayer or whether it be when we see the need of somebody else 
and we reach out <clears throat> and try to help people. So anything, anything that we, and you say, well, Brother Mark, I don't place a greater importance on, on anything else than God. Easy to say, but look at, if we look at our lives, people, family, especially family. Family often becomes the first thing in our lives, and God takes a secondary place. <clears throat> God takes care of our families, and, and if we place all of our trust in him and all of our prayers care for our families, then I don't need to fret about it, and I don't need to run around trying to make sure everything's okay with my family, and I need to trust God because I'm not him. <clears throat> we must believe that he is. The second part of that is uh, then we must believe in his, his beneficence, his goodness, and his kindness, and his, his charity, meaning his love. This comes down to prayers of faith, I believe. We pray fervently for a lot of things. I know each of you must have something in your heart that you're praying fervently for, fervently for day after day after day that perhaps God has chosen not to answer, or perhaps it's just God has chosen not to answer yet. We want things in our time. <clears throat> Sometimes we, we're not very long-suffering with, with God's time frame. But have you ever experienced knowing that you were praying something that's in God, within God's will? And, you know, God's, God's will, is it? It's not hard. Brother Lyle brought it up in Sunday school this morning. I brought it up in preaching in the, at the drive-in service. God's will is not hard to know. It's right here. It's one of the reasons, only one of the reasons, that we need to have a close personal relationship with the written word of God. Because God's will is plain for us here in the Bible. Have you ever prayed something that you know that's within God's will and prayed it with all the faith in your heart that God can give you because that's where our faith comes from, Christ, with all of the faith knowing that God will answer that prayer because it's within his will. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that and, and seen the result? Again, it might not come in the time frame that you would like. <clears throat> I've never prayed a prayer of faith, true faith in God, knowing that his sufficiency, and he will answer that hasn't been answered. Now, uh, and I, I have to say, um, well, you know, I think I, this, 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 I'm not backtracking on that. I got some people that I pray fervently for, for salvation and their family members. They're not immediately, immediate family members. I'm, I'm a blessed man. Most of my family sitting here, and uh, my immediate family, and, and, and they're all saved. But I have siblings and a mother particularly my mother. You know, my twin brothers, and I have a brother that's saved too, but I have twin brothers, and they've sat right in this very church, and, and they've heard the gospel. Um, <clears throat> my prayer for them is that they have another opportunity, but the Bible doesn't guarantee us that second opportunity to hear that gospel. Some people will. <clears throat> the Bible tells us that everyone will hear the opportunity in one way or another to hear the gospel. <clears throat> That's what we're all about. Jesus is just waiting for, for everybody to hear that, but nobody's guaranteed a second opportunity to hear that gospel. Uh, so I pray, and I pray hard for those twin brothers of mine 
who've disowned me. And I pray that, that God will give them another chance because, because I love them, you know. <clears throat> I don't believe my mom's had the opportunity to hear the gospel preached. She born and raised a Catholic and a Roman Catholic as, as, as I was and served in the Catholic Church as a boy, as an altar boy. And, and uh, I gotta t I'll tell you a little, little story. My, you know, my, my mom didn't want anything to do with me for a few years either. It's because I said something to her that she didn't take kindly to. <clears throat> I told her on the phone one day, I said, I said, Mom, I'd like an opportunity to, to discuss your salvation with you. Now, um, I'll talk about Catholicism on and off. I feel like I'm qualified to do so. I was raised in that church. I served as an altar boy, and, and I understand it really well, and I don't usually back away from that. And the words out of her mouth was, that will never happen. Now I understand why. She's not about to talk to her son or any other person who is not a Catholic priest about anything because, first of all, Catholic doctrine does not teach a personal relationship with God, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. As a Christian, the Bible tells me that I personally can go boldly before the throne of Christ, <clears throat> seeking his love and his guidance and seeking him for the things that I need, but not the doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church. You have an intermediary. It's the priest. You give confession to a priest who then takes that to God and sends you off to pay a bunch of penance, prayers, um, to, for, to forgive your sins, uh, just the ones that you have current going on. I tell you what, if <laughs> and then you're, then you're able to take communion. Now, I won't stick on this for very long, but... <clears throat> As, as a boy, 13 years old, I'd go into that confessional. First of all, I wasn't about to tell that priest everything that, that I had gone on in my life during that week. Um, if you didn't go to confession, you couldn't take communion. And that thereby is the forgiveness of sins through communion within the Catholic Church. Um, <clears throat> but I guarantee you, every time I turned around and walked out of that confessional, I was mumbling about the, the penance, the prayers that that priest gave me that I had to say so that I could have my sins forgiven so I could take communion the next day. I didn't even make it to the pew to kneel and say my penance without sinning <clears throat> because I was mumbling about that priest. And so my mom said, that'll never happen. My response to her separated us for a couple of years. Um, and I said, that's all right, mom, I'm patient. I'll wait till you're on your deathbed. And that seems pretty harsh, but it's a true reality. And I have to tell you right now that if I ever have an opportunity to share the gospel with her, that's where it'll be. And so my prayer for, for that is, dear Lord, she's, she's aged, and, and she's missing a part of a lung from lung cancer and stuff. And my prayer to God is, Lord, give me the opportunity to be with her that, at that time. <clears throat> because then maybe her heart will be open. That was a little rabbit trail there. but <clears throat> We must believe in God's goodness and kindness and understand his will for us. And when we pray faithfully, we know that he will answer. Faith leads to salvation. 
Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, say that, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That word shalt is an, imp shalt is an imperative. It's a certainty. You know, often we, you'll see in, in, in legal documents, and we see it in the Bible too, the use of the word will and the word, use of the word shall. <clears throat> shalt, shalt or shall is an imperative, whereas will does not give us any comfort in that. <clears throat> that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We're not saved by saying we believe in Jesus Christ and then having somebody lead us through the sinner's prayer. There, I said that. That is an outward expression. God looks on our heart. He looks on our heart, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And therein is where our salvation exists. When God looks on our heart and we've made a profession of faith in Christ, he knows. He, he's not listening to what we say. Though we confess our salvation openly with our mouths, it's by the faith that is evident in our heart to God that we have made a true profession. Faith is given by the Spirit, by the, by the power of God. In Mark 9, chapter, chapter 24, and in and, and fairly fairly familiar passage of Scripture, and I'm not going to read it all. There's only a couple of verses that I wanted to focus on here. But this is just after the transfiguration of Christ. And, and as he came down off of the mountain and there were throngs of people that were there and wanted to see him. And, and there was a man in that, in that throng of people that brought his son who had, who had been possessed by a demon since, since he was a child. And the demon was striving to destroy that boy and the father was distraught. And, and the disciples, God had given the disciples the power to cast out demons and they had made an effort at it. But, you know, they asked why they couldn't. And, and, and in Matthew 5, or in Matthew 9, verse 19, they asked why they could not, why, why they couldn't cast out the demon. And, and Jesus answereth him and saith, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. They were lacking the faith that they needed here to do this. But what I really wanted to focus on here, and it's a, this verse is something that, has meant a lot to me <clears throat> through my Christian walk and through the years. The man brought his son to Jesus and, and he said in verse 22, he said to Jesus, if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Well, Jesus can do all things. And Jesus said in verse in verse 23, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe all things, if thou canst believe all things are possible to him that believeth. Verse 24, And straightway the father of the child cried out and said, with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. <clears throat> 
I'd hazard a guess, and I can tell you for certain that it, that it happens in my life. You know, the devil gets me down, and, and sometimes he gets me down, and he just starts kicking and starts kicking. And <clears throat> it's in times like this where, where my faith is not as strong as I'd like to be able to stand up here and tell you that it is. And what this man said to me here gives me great comfort. Because he cried out to the Lord and he says, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Our faith comes from the Spirit of God, comes from the Spirit of Christ that's in it, in us. It dwells within us. If we go to Galatians 2.20, it says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. <clears throat> this certainly speaks by the faith that we have in Christ for our salvation, but Christ in me is the one that gives me my faith, gives me what it is that I need through those times when life or Satan, whichever it might be, has me down and is kicking me hard. <clears throat> Sometimes lately... It seems difficult to know what to pray. You know, I'm so grateful that the Spirit in me guides me. And He gives supplication for me when I don't know how to cry out to God, when I don't know what to say. Do you ever pray? Sit down to pray. Let me back that up. I'm sure you pray. <clears throat> I pray that you pray. Are there times when you sit down to pray and you're, you're so overwhelmed with the the number of people that need to be that you that you feel that you need to be praying for and and you're overwhelmed with maybe family members or you're over I've struggled lately with prayer not because I don't go to him in prayer but we've lost so many people here in the church <clears throat> and we're not able to fellowship together both in worship and and as a church family I brought it up last week, and I'll probably bring it up every time. I want to hug somebody. <clears throat> I want to hug all of you. And I know that our pastor, it, it, it just it hurts his heart to not be able for our church family to be cohesive in that. And so I've struggled lately with the Lord. I don't, I don't know what to pray, or I know what to pray, but I'm overwhelmed by it. <clears throat> and I thank him for his faithfulness in that too, and by, by the Holy Spirit who, who takes my supplications before the throne of Christ. He knows what I need to pray for, and I'm so grateful for that because it's a little disconcerting <clears throat> when it's that way day after day after day. And there's our trials of faith. and Specifically here, I want to talk about the the trials of our faith when it's persecution for Christ's sake. If we look in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, <clears throat> Peter says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Next verse says, But rejoice inasmuch as ye are, ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. We suffer often for Christ's sake. 
Sometimes these are trials of faith that, that God brings on us to build our faith, to strengthen our faith in Him, to strengthen our resolve that we should take all things to Him, all things to Him in prayer, knowing that He'll answer when it's within His will. <clears throat> he tests us that way. We see we saw how he tested, how he allowed the devil to accost Job in the, in the entire book of Job and how that resulted and what that resulted in in the life of Job. Persecution for Christ's sake. You know, I know other churches, <clears throat> not many, because I, you know what, I, I, haven't, I haven't been saved for a lot of years. Um, I've been in some good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches, um, and, and I've heard some pretty good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching pastors. Most of them have either been here or, or uh, Lighthouse Baptist Church in Cortez, Colorado, which, uh, which used to go there. Pastor Larry Chapel was the pastor there. I have to tell you a little something. My wife is the, is the daughter of a of a of a Missouri Synod Lutheran pastor, and uh, before I married her, you know, uh, it was required of me to to go to go through catechism and and to to convert to to being a Lutheran. And um, you know, I was fairly devout Lutheran, and I served. A, in Farmington, New Mexico, as as a as an elder and chairman of the elders for a number of years, but my brother Mike, who lives in Cortez, Colorado, and was a member of Lighthouse Baptist Church, he kept pestering me to come up there, me and my wife, to come up there and, and attend a service up there. And we're like, no, oh, you know, we got it dialed in. We know what, you know, we don't need you Baptist. <clears throat> You're going to tell us things that we don't want to hear and that we don't necessarily believe. Well, we finally went, and my brother. He marched us, and my sister-in-law, marched us right up to the front row, right in front of the pulpit, and that's where we sat. And there we were, face-to-face -face with, with Larry Chapel, and face-to-face -face with the things that God had to say to us. Now, when that service was over, and I can't even tell you what he preached, but my wife and I were both this way. When that, when that service was over and we walked out of there, we looked at each other and said, that's what we've been missing all of our lives. You know, I went back to my to my Lutheran pastor, who I was fairly close with, at least so I thought, and and I made a comment to him. I said, you know, the Lutheran Church doesn't do a very good job of teaching a practical application of the Bible to our lives in a manner in which we can understand it and use it in 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 our lives. Well, what he heard was he didn't hear the Lutheran Church doesn't do a very good job. What he heard was, you, pastor, do not do a very good job. <laughs> uh, this is true, and my wife will tell you, the next Sunday, he blasted me by name from the pulpit. By name. He didn't just say some member. You know, he blasted me by name. Well, we're kind of on the outs ever, ever after that. Um, and that was the beginning of the Lord moving us on along out of out of the Lutheran Church, and and uh, praise God for that, right? <clears throat> then there's there's the exhortation to oh, I'm going to back to First uh, Peter four. 
verse 13, where it said, <coughs> 12, um, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, but rejoice in your trials, but rejoice that you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. When we suffer for his sake, he suffers with us. You are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad with exceeding joy. This tells us how we are to approach and deal with these trials of faith, and that there's a reward. And that reward is we will be glad with exceeding joy. Stand firm in your trials. Stand firm in your trials of faith when they're for, for stand firm in them when they're when you have trials of faith just because of your poor decisions that you make, but that's not what's spoken of here. These are these are these are trials as a result of persecution for Christ's sake. Stand firm. Because I can tell you the devil wants you to back down. That's and God's through through these trials, God strengthens your faith. He tests your faith. Don't give in to the devil. Too many people leave ministry and will back out of ministry and and because the afflictions are too great. They get discouraged or they the devil tells them lies and they get angry with the person in the church or they get angry with the pastor. The, a pastor in a church probably takes more of that from devout people who, who serve in ministry than any other person in a particular ministry or congregation. Everybody takes aim at the pastor. That's just what the devil wants you to do. <clears throat> but what God wants you to do is stand firm in faith. Rely on him and him alone. And you will be glad with exceeding joy also. When the day comes that you stand before the throne of Christ. Lastly, there's an exhortation to continue in faith. Hebrews 10, 23, many of us know this. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering without wavering, for he is faithful who promise. God has made promises to us, and we can have the utmost of faith that those promises, like Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Jacob in the verses we read in, in Hebrews, <clears throat> we can be sure, we can be sure that those promises are true and that they are ours through Christ when we're saved. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Go back to Satan again. He, he hates us. And, and what he, he'd love nothing more than for us to just deny God. Now, <clears throat> he can't take our salvation from us. When we went back to Romans 10, verses 9, 9 and 10, uh, a lot of times we say things that we ought not to say. And a lot of times... We feel things in our soul that we ought not to feel. And we do things in our flesh that we ought not to do. <clears throat> but the devil can't take our salvation away from us and neither can anybody else. And if, you, if there's been a time in your life where you have made a true heartfelt profession of faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone, that he's paid the price for all of your sins, past, present, and future, and you have relied on him and him alone for that, with a heartfelt, true confession from your heart of faith, you're saved and nobody can take it away from you. There are too many religions of the world, and I don't ever use the word religion in a positive note. Uh, 
there are too many religions of the world that where there is no assurance. How much assurance is there if if I have to weekly go confess my sins to a man and weekly take communion, which many churches believe in what's called transubstantiation, which means we, we, we celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper. It's, it's, a, it's a memorial. It's a commemoration. It's us remembering what Christ did on the cross. But there are churches, there are religions that believe that through what a priest does at the altar during a service, the bread is actually changed into the body of Christ. It's the real body of Christ. And the wine is actually changed into the real blood of Christ. And if you don't take, because here, take, eat. This is the body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, given into death for your sins. God forgive me for saying that here, but <clears throat> that's what's said. And it is believed by the people that if I don't go to communion and take communion for the forgiveness of my sins, and I were to die, well, that doctrine doesn't teach that you, that you go to heaven anyway. At best, you go to purgatory. What confidence and what assurance is there in that? Too much placed upon, all of it's placed upon man, either what a, what a, what a priest is doing or what it is that I have to do. My salvation can't be taken from me, folks. And those of you that might be on the internet, if if you have never come to faith in Christ, if you're not sure of what your eternity will be, if you don't know for sure that when you die, and you know, there's a statistic out there I read, it's been a while, but it says 10 out of 10 people die. <clears throat> We're all going to die. And the Bible tells us that we all have an eternity in one place or another. Devil's hell or in heaven with Jesus. <clears throat> and if you're not sure of where your eternity would be, then I encourage you, implore you to seek someone who can lead you through the Bible and talk to you about how you can know for sure. You know, I mentioned earlier, <clears throat> my active faith is evident to me because I know, I know there's not a doubt, not a doubt. And it's not based on anything that I do, because I do a lot that I should not do. I, I ruined it a long time ago if that was the case. But if there's not been a time in your, in your life where you've made that profession of faith in Christ, and we would ask that at some point you come to that. And let's close, every, every head bowed and every eye closed. Lord, this morning we've, we've taken a walk through your word and looked at the things of faith, and the meaning of faith, Lord. And Lord, perhaps there are those here who, whose faith has been wavering, you know, saved folks, Lord, whose faith has been wavering. And, and Lord, perhaps what they've done in their minds is, is forgotten that that our faith is not even our own, but it's yours, and you give it to us, and you build it, and you strengthen it in our lives, and Lord, that faith comes by you and through you. And if there are those here, Lord, that, that are that way, we pray that you would encourage them, have them to know 
that while we may falter, while we from time to time may have unbelief, Lord, have us to cry out to you to help our unbelief. This is not an unbelief in regards to our salvation, Lord, but just a wavering faith. Strengthen our faith by thy spirit and have us to know that it doesn't come from us, but it comes from you and you alone. Therefore, Lord, we don't have to uphold ourselves. We only have to rely faithfully upon you to uphold us. And perhaps there's somebody here today and maybe someone watching us on the internet that's joined for the first time that, that doesn't know for sure where they'll go when they pass from here. When this mortal flesh dies, perhaps, Lord, there's some like that. And, and Lord, we would ask that you would touch their hearts and convict them by thy Holy Spirit <clears throat> that their need for a Savior and their need for salvation. And while we still have every, every eye closed, every head bowed, if you please stand. As Brother Lyle begins to sing, just as I am, I'd have you to contemplate. And, and if you're being prompted by the Lord to to reach out to Freeway Baptist Church here to talk to someone about your salvation or you sit here in the service this morning. We ask that you'd come forward. Brother Lyle. Just as I am without one plea but that thy blood was gracious and loving God we thank you so much for your great love for us it's a love that is not able to be comprehended aside from you and within us Lord as we go out of this place today have us as we walk through this week to exhibit the Christ life in us Lord have us to wear our Christianity out on our sleeve but Lord if we're going to do that have us to also act as the Christians that we claim. Lord, we know that we can only do these things by your power and by your grace. And we thank you in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.